0: Welcome back to the latest episode of the Security Sprint. This is a security podcast where we go beyond the headlines and talk about the security and risk news and bring about a difference perspective, as well as talk about the news and events that you may have missed. There's a lot out there. We know that, and we want to try to bring it to you as much as we can. Uh, this is a sprint, so the way it works is we go through two rounds of topics, and then we do some quick hits at the end. So with that in mind, I'll bring in the probably the, the happiest Detroit Lions fan in the world, <laughs> Andy Jabour, Andy, how are you this week?
1: I, I am very happy for the Detroit Lions in this Victory Monday, Dave. Thanks for asking. I'm doing well all around. Glad to be here, but I know we've got a lot to cover, so I won't, I won't belabor my Lions celebrations
0: we do have a lot to cover Andy and this is a security podcast not a sports podcast as we say often so let's just get into it Andy we I think we need to start again with the Israel and Hamas conflict and what's going on there I think when we talked last week we thought you know obviously it would stay largely Regional and it has and there's a lot of activities that still continue I I am a little bit um you know I guess I would say surprised at the volume of the protests that have emerged from here and the types of uh, things that We've seen uh, in some of those protests and demonstrations. It is interesting to see the groups that come out pro or for or against uh, either the sides uh, in this conflict. Um, but aside from that, Andy, I think still largely what we had expected. There may be some individuals who are influenced outside of the region who may take action. I think as organizations, we still need to be prepared for that type of thing. Uh, but particularly, I think the biggest area would be the protests and demonstrations that may occur in and around your areas and taking the proper precautions there. But Andy, I will I will toss it to you. What What are your thoughts? How have you been, how have you taken this, I guess, going into the now the second the second full week of this conflict?
1: Yeah, day 10 here is we record this. I mean, Dave, I think, you know, I'd I, I suggest folks go back and listen to last week's recordings. I think we covered some general thoughts there that I think are still true as we enter this, this period of time. All I think there's been some more events that are worth just pausing and looking at. And so as far as the events in Israel itself, you know, like we said last week, very fluid, very dynamic situation, a lot happening on the ground, you know, from over here, we can't keep up with those dynamics. So obviously if you have got interest in the ground. I strongly encourage folks to reach out to the Department of State, join the OSAC working group, discuss some great collaboration on events happening in real time on the ground. I think for this podcast, focusing here on the United States and what we need to focus on again, no, no real change. I don't think what we said last week, so the fact that what we, Talked about happening is now actually happening with the, with the protests, with you know some high energy um, incidents, you know folks folks protests and and, and descending uh, voices at those protests, a little bit of disagreements, but I think we really want to hone in on our recent comments by the director of the FBI because I think they capture you know probably our biggest concern during this time. And the director stated in in remarks to the International Association of the Chiefs of Police. Um, I quote from the director: "We're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own." And he continues, "Continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have, which is something that we you know, strongly encourage." Right? There's, as we said last week, as, as a number of organizations, state and locals, private sector, they said there's no specific threat to US organizations, but there is a general threat, which I would say is a credible threat to the potential of lone actors, sympathizers to do something on their own. And unfortunately we've seen a host of faith-based incidents at Jewish and Muslim facilities that could certainly um, continue to Christian organizations that are seen as supportive of one side or the other uh, with the events in Israel. So those incidents have occurred. We've seen the tragic murder of a six-year-old boy um, by his landlord. Um, who who wanted to you know take his anger out against Muslims um, you know because of what's happening in Israel so the ability for somebody to get excited to take violent action is present and for that to to manifest itself at a faith based organization on an innocent civilian on a high profile leader it could come any number of ways and so for organizations we just want to be aware and again review our plans policies and procedures you know maintain as peaceful a workplace as we can. Think about how we want to address these issues in the workplace, if we want to address these issues in the workplace, how to protect key leaders and personnel, especially those of the Jewish and Muslim faith during this time of, of, of tension, and just how we want to handle the stress and in in the security situation around our facilities and for our people generally. So I think, uh, you know, the director's comments hit the most probably sensitive point. Again, go back on some of the comments we shared last week, there's potential online threats, there's, you know, a very, very variety of things that could occur. I think is really the main focus, and I'll stop there, Dave.
0: Yeah, I think really good call out, Andy. And again, it's just, again, re- these are good reminders in a period of time for us to go back through and, rehash and look at those things, area, areas, Andy. Uh, so good call outs there and really good attention and focus there. And again, if you want to get updated, there's a lot of information out there. You can check out the Gate15 Sun that is sent out. Please go to gate15.global to sign up for that and, and you'll get a lot of great information there. So Andy, let's get into our, our regular topics there. And I'll start off here when we talk about physical security, because that's really my wig ballywig in the, or I guess that's, the, that's my strong suit here, Andy. I want to call out two, particular incidents that occurred, Uh, one that occurred over uh, last weekend at the uh, State Fair of Texas, and then another one that was reported, and, and it looks like a hostile event was potentially disrupted. Uh, with a school incident in the state of Florida, uh, where I used to live. So it's a near and dear to my heart here. But uh, let's just talk about it. on Saturday night, Andy, at the there was a shooting at the State Fair of Texas that left three people wounded. An individual was charged with aggravated assault. So, uh, and he's saying he that the Individual open fire about 745 at the food court on the fairgrounds. So probably an area, Andy, if you've been to all these state fairs, and there's a lot of fairs that are occurring this time of year. It's a very popular time, whether that be a state fair, that would be a festival, like an outdoor festival. There's holiday festivals that are coming out. This is very appropriate for this time. Food courts are typically a very crowded area where we've seen previous incidents with malls. They've occurred sometimes at food courts where there can be conflict and disruptions there, Andy. So, again, this serves as a really good reminder for individuals who are planning outdoor events. It's harder to one due security it's harder to assess and screen individuals coming in and out of of those uh, fairs i mean as much as you can put some access control points in uh, there are other opportunities that may not be concern, uh, be not covered if we'll go back to the gilroy garlic festival a couple of years back in in california that individual found their way in through a, uh, a a fence line that was not as secure as the access point so just as a reminder as we see the state fair that comes up. Um, uh, as you're planning these outdoor events, as the weather gets a little bit nicer and, and a little chill to the air and you get these holiday festivals, these are big times for threat actors to see a high volume of individuals and how it can cause a high impact area, especially with the holiday events. We've seen plenty of those over the years, notably in, in uh, Europe and in other places around the world. But uh, keep in mind for that. The other area, and you want to call out, is a is a school shooting that was disrupted in um, the state of Florida, uh, North Florida area, specifically a high school um, in which three individuals were uh, detained for a kill, for lack of a better word, developing a kill list. There's a lot of reporting around this, whether those individuals were being bullied at school and they decided that they were going to take action uh, on their own side. So there's a lot to work through. But the good news story on this is that the attack didn't occur because somewhere along the line, and we'll get more information around this, something was identified, something was reported, and that potential act was disrupted. Where that occurred, we'll be watching for, and we'll make sure we report out. But when we talk about hostile events, we know that threat actors go through a very meticulous process for planning out these attacks. And, and they do reveal themselves at various points in times. And an alert and aware employee, an alert and aware coworker, family member, friend, somebody could identify them, but then the key is reporting it and letting the people take action there. Again, you're not to do the investigation. We don't or necessarily saying that, but we want you to get that reported and into the system so that the right people can take the right action, do the right investigation, and make sure things are happening. So, Andy, two areas really to cover on this physical security side on Monday. Thoughts, yeah, Dave,
1: Dave? Great, great uh, items to call out here. Um, I won't get into details on on either one, but I think just just to add a little bit onto what you already touched on. You know, really for those planning events, you know, now and through the end of the year, really have to think through the security. Uh, concerns, those those areas of, of of entry, as you mentioned. And you know right now, you know going back to our first item here with the events in Israel, sort of the tensions here in the u s, even more, you know the longer this situation in Israel continues, the 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 higher the 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 timeline of somebody taking individual action as as a director warned. And so if you're planning, for example, a Halloween gathering here in a couple of weeks, you're probably in the planning process for that right now. A lot of faith-based organizations, you know provide, Alternative events on on the day of Halloween for families and children. Those potentially could become, you know, areas that are publicized to the to the population. And so a threat actor could take interest and potentially plan some kind of lone actor, you know, hostility. So We've got to take these threats seriously, even though there's a low likelihood, potential catastrophic impact demands that we consider, you know, th- potential threats like this. So if you're planning a holiday, you know, event for Halloween, if you're planning some other type of mass gathering, and again, as long as this, you know, situation is continues and all the time anyway, as we go going to the holiday season, really have to incorporate security into our into our event plans. You know, please don't shrug it off and, and you know, just roll the dice or, or uh, you know, leave it up to, you know, the... Uh, the powers of B, you know, that, that, that nothing will happen. You got to assume that something could happen and take appropriate action. Great, great items to identify, Dave.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly spot on there. And I just want to circle back real quickly to that, you know, not do the investigation, let the right people do it, you yeah. know, in regards to that school shooting, you know, or this potential for the kill list and, and whatnot, you know, the police department was first notified about a suspicious text message. And at that point, it's only an allegation. And so people worry about, hey, I'm going to get some people in trouble. Again, these things happen. They're only allegations until there's evidence to support that something was going to happen and then the appropriate things. So I I know people are concerned about that. And what, what if I get somebody in trouble that really didn't do anything? And what if I misread something? Again, these are you're only making an allegation and then the the right steps happen from there. So Andy, sorry to belabor that point, but again, just wanted to reinforce it. So there there I cover my topic. Andy, where are you going with yours?
1: I'm gonna go somewhere totally different, Dave, but I think it's it's a really important one to cover. Last week on the 12th of October, uh, the NCSC, you know, within the House of the Director of National Intelligence and the FBI released a Bolden under their safeguarding our future uh, series. They released these periodically. And the one that came out last week uh, was titled, Russian Intelligence Poses a Persistent Threat to the United States. And, and look, before I read uh, the opening paragraphs from, there, from that most recent bold, and we'll share the link for that online, it's a simple PDF. You can print, share within in your organizations. Let's, let's not forget, as there's everything else going on around us, that there have been numerous uh, Department of Justice indictments on uh, service members, on business leaders, CEOs, and others on uh, foreign agents and operatives recently, even individuals recently retired from the FBI that have been in collusion with, with Russian intelligence services to share information, to launder financials, to launder money, just a host of, of activities that we would hope no American would get involved in. But Americans constantly are getting involved. And with Russia, with China, with Iran, and, and others. So just to read the first two uh, paragraphs from the statement, I think it's just good to sort of have the perspective in mind. And again, something we've got to think about within our organizations, for those insider threats and potential actors that may be uh, taken down this path um, with, with Russian intelligence or other foreign services. So the, the, the bolden starts, despite Russia's substantial military losses since its February 2022 invasion of Ukraine, which I'll note, Dave, as we record this podcast, is is now in day 600. Um, Russia's intelligence services remain a formidable threat to the United States. In recent months, the U.S. government has sanctioned several Russian intelligence operatives and their associates for activities targeting the United States, and authorities across Europe have arrested and charged a number of suspected Russian spies in their nations. Even so, in public remarks in September 2023, FBI Director Christopher Wray warned the number of Russian intelligence officers operating in the United States is still, quote, still way too big. And he's absolutely right. There's a lot of activity, a lot of interest from Russian intelligence and other nations' intelligence organizations to enter our organizations, enter our government, to get information, to get data, to compromise individuals, to feel in a position where they can be manipulated, blackmailed, pressured into doing the wrong thing. We have to be on guard for this. And it affects, again, the highest leaders of our organizations. We've seen just recently a large um, commercial facilities industry, CEO who was implicated in a sextortion scheme where the threat actor obtained pictures of him in a compromising situation. These things can happen and people can be forced or not necessarily forced, but strongly motivated to making bad decisions. And so we want to be mindful of this. We want to uh, keep it on people's radars within our organizations, even our most senior executives. And we want to guard against potential likelihood of somebody doing some ways. Like and just like the hospital attack cycle, Dave, we want to look for indicators. We want to look for somebody going down a path that maybe looks a little bit awry. And if we have to report it, intervene if appropriate, take action, Protect our people, our places, our data, our dollars, our country, and our national security, Dave. So we'll share the link to the PDF. I encourage folks to download it, share within your organization. It's already been built and prepared for you. Good reminder to all folks involved.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great point. And I, I don't really have much to add, Andy. I think that's really nailed it there. And, and so we'll just keep moving on through this uh, cycle. So, Andy, I'm going to bring up my next topic here, and then I know we'll get into some quick hits here. But there's a couple areas here. um, I do want to call out, before I get into my main topic, I guess, I'll say you know, there's additional reporting that keeps coming out about the MGM ransom and all that stuff. I did find a very interesting article about the scattered, uh, scattered spider waited before making uh, MGM ransom demand, noting that before the ransom demand was uh, was uh, made to the casino, uh, that the actual threat actors had actually been in in the network for several days, if not much longer, uh, prior to that. This is classic, right? I, I think threat actors. T- Typically, like to get in early, mope around, try to lie around, understand how things are working within the organization. It can help them facilitate their attacks in a lot of ways. But then also then they they dropped the bomb at, a, at, a, at another point in time. So I do think that it was a really good discussion point there. I probably could have had that as a quick hit, Andy, but I decided not to. I wanted to just lead that into, um, Andy, 10 years in, in review, cost of a data breach. This is by IBM uh, Security Intelligence and really talking about what has occurred over the last 10 years and what the what that last decade is really telling us from the data you know in uh, IBM notes said in 2014 the average cost of a data breach was 3.5 million dollars. Today, the average the, the average cost of the data breach has surged nearly thirty percent to four point four five uh, per breach. Meanwhile, companies in the U.S. spend an average of nine and a half uh, million per breach, according to that latest report. It talks about you know it gives a lot of detail about what country has the highest. Uh, data breach costs, what industry has the highest cost? It would not be surprising that healthcare organizations spent almost $11 million per breach. There's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, Talks about what encryption has done and and why that can and cannot help. Also talks about what COVID has done and and some of the other root causes and vectors in there uh, for people. It's not surprising, Andy, when you look at uh, how things have changed over time uh what what um what ha- you know how it has gone from you know malicious and cyber attacks to human error to system glitches and really where we see a lot of those things going it does it's a it look, it's a really good report. Uh, I encourage everyone to read it and kind of take it for what it is. There's a lot of new data in there. and again, there's a lot of good information about the importance of getting ahead of these things and and delivering the solutions so that you don't have to suffer from these because even though you know the 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 an incident may cause a certain amount the long-term costs are going to be far more expensive and and then there's always the reputational impacts and a, a lot of those other things that that larger number that IBM called out that almost 11 million dollars or 10 and a half the million dollars calls out that really it's not just the rem- the immediate remediation; it's that long term effect that really gets you over time. And so, Andy, I think that was a really good report to call out. I think I think people can give it a read. And like everything else, try to adapt and continually improve. One step forward each day, you get better every day. So, Andy, that's where I'm at on my my topic. Yeah, David, it's a, it's a great topic. And we'll share a couple
1: other recent reports and cyber updates um, in the in the quick hits as well. You know, so I, I shared this report with, with some colleagues and I'm surprised, you know, usually this report comes out, it gets a little bit more sort of uh, media reporting and publicity. And it's kind of been quiet um, as it's come out this time. Maybe it'll get picked up on more this week. As usual, Dave, we're, we're always identifying things first for those that are listening and subscribing to The Sun. But I know some people don't really like this report, um, you know, but I, I, what I remind people is that all these reports are based on the data available to the authors, right? And, and IBM Security has pretty good data available. And so I, I'd say, you know, while the numbers might not be 100% gospel, right, there, there's good data and trends and, and information you can pull out there, just as you spoke to, Dave, that the organizations can take into consideration, think about how it may impact your organization. And it's really good information to put towards leaders as you're trying to talk about cybersecurity resources, where things are today, how the evolution of the threat looks and, and, and it costs, right, not to scare people, but to give some sound you know, numbers that have been researched and, and captured here on um, what this threat looks like today. And the reality is the cost of data breach has gone up significantly. It, it's a very painful process for organizations to deal with. It's coming more expensive as there's additional uh, you know, requirements for organizations. So it's it's good information, Dave. I'm glad you brought it up. I'd encourage people to take a look at it, take it into consideration. And yeah, you know, all these reports have some margin of error in them, but still
0: good and useful information. I think the reports we'll share will, will be similar in that sense. Very good. Andy, well, well said. Where, where are you going next, Andy? Are you, you going to jump into quick hits here? Dave, hey, I'm ready for quick hits if you are. Yeah, I, I'm always ready for quick hits. Andy, I kind of I kind of teed off mine a little early. So why don't you go ahead and I'll I'll see if I can wrap up at the end.
1: Okay. So I've got a few. I'll go through. Again, we'll share the links, not getting into them in detail today. Um there have been reports of the weekend of a, a vulnerability, a zero-day vulnerability in signal, secure messaging. Signals come back and said, Hey, we have not found any evidence of that. And others have said the same thing, you know, a, a word of caution that. You know, from time to time with with significant geopolitical uh, situations. Rumors like this start, I think, is sometimes is to keep people off of these, uh, you know, these messaging platforms, right? Some government authorities don't want people, you know, using secure messaging like this, right? It's hard to see what's happening. Um, so, you know, don't know one way or the other. But as of this moment in time, there are reports of Signal zero day. Signal said that does not seem to be true. We'll see what happens this week. But, but that's where that is, as of the time, uh, the recording is on Monday. Um, A couple other things, Dave, ransomware. CISA has updated their Kev catalog, now identifying Kev's known exploited vulnerabilities that are associated with ransomware campaigns. And that's a nice addition. I think it's really helpful, right? If we're concerned about ransomware, you see a known exploited vulnerability and CISA saying, hey, we've seen these three or four or five or whatever, you know, used in ransomware campaigns. That might bump it up in your patching, you know, process priority uh, list. So good, good to check out. I think it's a nice addition. CISA has been kicking this around for a while. Glad this is finally out. Folks can check that out. Some additional ransomware links we'll share. Um, some interesting ones on allegations made by threat groups and sometimes not always exactly true or accurate. So we'll share links to those. You can dig into those in more detail if you like, listener. Um, additionally, the U.S. Secret Service has announced a series of live virtual presentations on targeted violence. Dave, as we open the podcast, on a few physical security uh, incidents and some considerations Hey, check these links out, maybe subscribe and, and pay attention to them. Secret Service has done some great research on hostile events, on targeted violence. These could be really beneficial to you in your security planning and threat awareness understanding. Another resource from CISA and other federal partners looking at um, the ITICS environment. Good resource. We'll share the link for that. As I mentioned, you have a couple other reports that folks might find of interest. Um, a new CISA report, interesting data there, touches on ransomware as well. Some scam awareness, social media scams, uh, data from the from the FTC. billion lost in social media scams since 2021 new supply chain resilience information from the uk's ncsc uh, updates on the epa's efforts to secure the water sector and pulling back their mandates for cyber uh, regulations Uh, and a few other updates we'll share uh, on the thread end in the show notes they have no time to get into all of it again the sun's been packed for the last week and change we're doing both the regular sun which includes all of this and more as well as our special uh, separate distribution of the Sun, focused explicitly on the war in Israel, both internationally and domestically, and also talking cyber information ops and other areas. So check those out. If you're not a subscriber, reach out to Gate15 at Gate15.global. Ask to be added. We'll add you that free distribution. You're welcome to it. Dave, I'll, I'll stop there.
0: Yeah, honestly, Andy, I mean, it's a shameless plug, but a plug nonetheless is, I mean, the sun really packs it in. And if you ever need that that one go to uh, place to find all the relevant news and articles, this is a really great place. So we really want to just reinforce that. I do have one other thing, Andy, to add. Um, NOAA put out, uh, I don't know, some time ago, a little bit while ago, about September being the Earth's warmest September, in 174 years, at least as, as they've been tracking it. Again, just continues to talk about the changing climate and and for organizations just to be able to know that the climate is changing and there are conditions that happen. Over the last couple of weeks, there have been winter weather forecasts that have coming out. Uh, NOAA put out their winter weather forecast. Uh, also, the Farmers' Almanac put out their winter weather. Forecast. Um, Looks like a lot in the south, there's going to be a little cooler temperatures and more precipitation, which could mean a lot of things. Remember back to 2021, we had the uh, ice storm in Texas that really shut down things and really caused disruptive things, not just for the uh, residents of Texas, but supply chain issues all across the seaboard. So when organizations are looking at weather impacts, it's not just in your immediate areas, it's in those critical lifelines and those other areas. Uh, that supply chain to really look at. So Andy, just want to call that out. I am the weatherman. So it's my responsibility on this podcast to do that for you and the listeners here, Andy.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great one to remind folks about And I think I remember Atlanta had a significant ice disruption and you know some of those warmer areas, it doesn't take that much uh, snow or ice to be very disruptive because they're not necessarily as, as prepared as some of our northern states are for those significant disruptions. So really glad you brought that up. Great, great for people to start thinking about that. You know, with October, we're going to start seeing snow in parts of this country right any time now so great to bring that up Dave and I got nothing to add that was a full sprint full a lot of stuff going on in our environment thanks for taking the time to
0: highlight some key events all right Andy well that's a great run through the uh the headlines for everybody this week and uh if nothing else Andy I will bid you adieu